everyone, welcome to the Atari Hacker Podcast. In this week's episode, we are going to go back in the trenches. We're going to go and Google stuff and we're going to show you real examples of live websites that are crushing it in 2023. And we won't just be going one side of the hour. We'll show you some people who do it the white hat way. We'll show you some people who don't really do it the white hat way. And this is going to be interesting either way because there's always something to learn on people's successes. Before we get started with the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and like if you enjoy this kind of case study episodes. They take a really long time to prepare, so that would be really helpful. And if you want some free training for us, you can go on authorityhackertraining.com where I have made a free training that shows you how to get started with your own authority site. But enough self-promo, let's get started with the episode. Let's go. Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. And now your hosts, Gail Breton and Mark Webster. Hey everyone, welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. In today's episode, we are going to bring back a format that has been very popular with this podcast, where Mark and I essentially take websites that are crushing it, are doing really well right now with Google, especially after the recent round of updates and a lot of changes that have happened, talk about EAT, etc. I think it's a good time to go back to the field and go and find sites that are actually doing really well. And that's what we're going to do after we ask Mark how it's going. <laughs> it's going good as always. I, I thought when you said it's time to bring back something, you know, do the how's it going bit, but you were just teasing us there. Anyway, I think this is an interesting topic because there's been a lot of volatility, I would say, since yeah. early December last year. In the SERP, some pretty big sites have been wiped out, basically. And we've started seeing some other sites starting to do really well, including some of them that we're going to talk about today. So, yeah, I think it'd be a, an interesting episode. Yeah, it's, it's like, you know, we had to talk with Cal Roof, we had to talk all about that, all of that, but it doesn't always have like case studies to rely on. So I think it's cool to like uh, go the other way. Uh, I just want to put a bit of a cave hit to this is that we rely on Ahrefs for the traffic data, et cetera. And obviously these tools are not 100% accurate. So sometimes if usually small traffic swings, I would not rely too much on these tools to actually like say that this is going up or down or something. So if we're going to comment, we're going to try to comment on things that are pretty big so that we can actually hopefully have something a little bit more accurate than these tools are because it's it's really not super precise basically so i suggest we just jump in and we just we just get going so take the first one okay cool so the first site we've got is money to the masses.com it's a personal finance site interestingly it's a uk focused site so most of their traffic comes from the uk now you think that would maybe cripple them a bit in terms of the upside potential, but they're only a DR54 site, which is middle of the pack range, achievable by a lot of people. It's low for finance, even I would say. Very low for a successful finance site yeah. because you're you're competing against, you know, DR high 70s, 80s, even 90s. But they've still done really, really well, are competing well against these other big sites and get about 300,000 monthly unique visitors. And what I like particularly about this site is it's the first impressions are just great. It's very clean, very simple. It almost just like instantly inspires trust. I don't know if it's like Damien, the founder's face on there or some combination of that and the simple design. It's just like, yeah, okay, this, this feels like a legitimate site straight away. So they cover a range of personal finance topics, savings investments, loans and credit cards, mortgages, homes, insurance products, how to save money in your taxes, those kinds of things. They also have a number of tools and calculators for each of these financial products. So if you want to take out a loan or get a mortgage, you can 
input all your details in there and it'll say, okay, you know, here's the the best mortgage options for you. Here's how much they cost. And, you know, there's affiliate links and all that to, to sign up. So it's, we'll talk more about monetization later, but it, it's a pretty well monetized site in that regard. They also have their own product, which is called 8020 Investor. And that's a really interesting one as well. I'm not sure, I mean, I haven't used the product, but I'm not sure it's the greatest product in the world. What does it do? It basically allows you to follow along with them and they give you investment advice. So say invest in this fund or this stock for now, if you have like a low risk profile or high risk profile, kind of like, I think you did an email newsletter on fool.com. Yeah, uh, where yeah, they okay. have a bunch of different segmented products around like different niches. Like if you want to invest in tech or green industry or crypto or whatever, they had follow along investment advice. It's kind of the same sort of product they've got there. Yeah, there is basically um, a portfolio, a non-managed portfolio. So you have to buy yourself the stocks that they recommend, but they give you if you follow the instructions, you're basically buying their portfolio. <laughs> yeah, which may be good for some people, but I wouldn't say it's maybe like the optimal way to invest for for most people at least there and the problem with this is like if you have to do it yourself you kind of like buy the stuff you believe in you don't buy the stuff you don't believe in and you end up not really having their results or something even if the advice is good like just the bias as an investor is not so great so it's a high risk thing to try to follow i think they've also got uh like really quite a lot of press to their site so they get featured on basically every newspaper in the in the uk at one point or another and they're just Relatively well-known site, I, I would say. For the R55, yeah. Like, for, oh, I mean, if you wanted to say, like, make a list of sites that are punching above their weight, like, yeah, this one good. has got to be up there. I mean, super competitive niche, DR54. You just don't see that kind of... And some great competing. commercial keywords ranking. Like, it's not they're not just ranking for, like, stuff that doesn't make yeah, money, right? Yeah, I mean, like, best credit cards, UK, yeah. like, they're number two for that. Yeah, yeah, uh, above like a DR eighty something site. So let's take a look at the content, and we can, yeah, we can dig ahead. into maybe why this is happening and, and and learn something about that. They have, I guess, two kind of categories of content: info content and commercial content. Their info content, their examples would be interest rate predictions UK. Very popular topic these days. <laughs> yeah, or house prices jump is a keyword they rank for. They, I think that's their second biggest info keyword according to Ahrefs. But if you look any of their info content pages, they're very, almost feels like a textbook. It's not cluttered like you have on some blogs with all these different elements and ads and bits and pieces all, all over the place. It's just very simple information. I think a lot of people struggle, I guess, to grasp concepts in personal finance. And there, there's a big learning curve for the average person trying to learn about this stuff. And I think that the way they present their information is it's just very, very clear and very easy to understand, very easy to read as well. They haven't gone for this like blog approach where it's like super short paragraphs and lots of bold everywhere. It's a much more, I would say, like traditional way of presenting information. Very few images. I think they just have like one or two images in, in each post at, at most. But interestingly, for all of their top posts, they have made a specific YouTube video for that post, which I thought was quite interesting. And I'm wondering if this is somehow contributing to, to them ranking. I think it contributes uh, to time on page, I think, definitely. Yeah, so something I noticed in, in particular, and we'll jump ahead to the commercial content one here. No, I have the, something to say. I have something to say about this page. Have you tried to right-click it? Yeah. So they have something that says, 
Basically, you can't select text. You can't right-click. And it says, when you right-click, it says, please feel free to share the article by using the social network icons. So I clicked on the Facebook icon, and there's an error. <laughs> so nobody can share their contents right now. I don't know what the exact plugin they're using, but I remember when I first got started in this industry in 2008, people were worried about other people copying content. And this was before there were Google penalties and issues. Like Google did a good job of, of uh, policing that. Um, they would install these WordPress plugins which stopped you from right-clicking. Now, anyone that knows anything about HTML or websites knows a way around that. You just look at the source and you can copy it. There's many, it's so easy to get around this that I think the general consensus for 10 years has been there's very little point in installing these plugins. But occasionally you get sites that, you know, get their content copied a lot and then they do stuff like this to make it more difficult. I don't think it's particularly effective it hurts the user experience. We don't recommend doing it, but there you go. Yeah, I would do this. For this, what's going to happen to UK house prices? They've made a YouTube video, and the video is literally just them talking about the article, right? They have the intro where they explain like the, the factors, and they're basically just restating what is said in text. Then they go through each of the dif- different house price in- indices and then just talk through it in a, a sort of more casual way. So it's almost like you can read the article if you want, but you could also just watch the, the YouTube video to get everything you you need as well. And I thought that was really interesting because on the commercial side, they're actually ranking number two for best credit cards UK, which is a hugely competitive term. Now, obviously, on there, you're going to be having lots of affiliate links to credit cards. They pay very well. I don't think they pay quite as well in the UK as they do in the, the US due to various like restrictions on how much fees credit cards can charge over here. But still, there's a lot of money being made here for sure. And what's really interesting is that the video it says best credit cards February 2023. Now we're recording this, it's just gone March. So, you know, it's understandable that it's done in February. But what's even more interesting is if you go to their YouTube channel and go back in time, uh, you'll find all of them. They update this video every single month. So they have January, December going back for a long time. Interesting. And if you watch each video, they're different videos, but they're basically the same. So it's like he's recorded the same thing again. It's like, okay, what's going to happen in January 2023? Here are the best credit cards. And he says all the things. But there's no difference in what's being recommended versus the previous month. Now, I guess that's because the, the recommendations don't change every month. But it's just interesting that they felt the need to make a new video specifically for that month for this high value page saying the same information. I know? think it's to retain people. Like if you see that the video is like a few weeks old, you're more likely to watch it. For such a competitive time, like if you can increase your time on page, it, it, it counts. And so I think they're doing this. What's interesting is looking at the number of views of these videos. So it gives you an idea of like how many people opt to watch this compared to the estimated traffic. And the January one got 2.2 thousand views. And their YouTube channel is basically not very successful. They only have 6,000 subscribers. So most of the views would come from people landing on that page. All of their social media is, I would say, not successful. It's not very good. It's it's not not a focus, much like ours. Focus primarily on, on SEO. But it's interesting because what it does, it tells you, well, how many views 
is SEO generating. And so like, I like that actually it allows me to analyze this. And it's like, yeah, 2.2 thousand, like if they can make like a hundred plus dollars per sell and they convert at like 5% of views or something, like that's still a decent amount of money. Yeah. I think it's one of their main money maker. If they bother making the video every single month, I think they know they're like punching above their weight. And if they don't have everything, they won't be here. And so that's why they're doing this. And if you just sort of analyze what's the difference between this site and the DR70 and 80 sites around it on the uh, SERP for Best Credit Cards UK, this is one of the main differentiating factors is they have this monthly updated video. And it just shows you there's a very low friction way to create this kind of freshness, I guess, on the site in a way. They also update the article, right? It's like the article is like updated a couple of days ago right now. It's like, says updated March 2 at the time, which we record on March 7. So they also probably update stuff on the page every single month too. What's also interesting is if you think of your typical affiliate site, your typical review or roundup review, this looks nothing like it. There's no fancy designed product box or tables it doesn't look it doesn't feel like a a commercial con- a piece of commercial content really it's very clean very simple there's no buttons every link is just text link, yeah yeah uh, it's very simple and i think that almost adds like a i don't know it was like authenticity or simpleness to it which i think can inspire trust in a world especially like personal finance credit cards where can be a bit sort of salesy sleazy pushy and some of the other pages that that rank really do have that this is a corporation trying to sell something whereas this feels more like this is a guy who has some honest advice and here here it is i will temper that a little bit i think what they're going after is money saving expert which is probably the leading personal finance site in the uk and their style is very similar so they're go- like, I don't think they can Even their design it. is quite similar. Uh, yeah. I think there's a lot of competitor analysis going on here. And that same, like they have like plain text links and they have some widgets, etc. but they won't have your classic affiliate stuff. I think they want it to feel more organic. And probably UK people are maybe more suspicious than uh, American people. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's a good <laughs> like point. There's probably actually. a culture, yeah. a cultural thing where it's like the US promotion tends to be really in your face. Whereas the UK one might need to it's be more a little subtle, bit more yeah. restrained so that it feels more genuine. And like you, culturally, I think there's that difference as well. So it's like they cater to the market. It's a really good point. Yeah. Moving on to look at their links then. Uh, so they're only DR53, but they have some really excellent links from a lot of the UK newspapers. Now, I'm not sure whether they've been doing, they have some kind of PR agency or something. I see a lot of newspapers mention Damien Faye Fahi, I'm not sure how you pronounce it specifically. Like Damien Fahi is or Faye is the founder and, and of personal finance site Money to the Masses said that blah blah blah. And so that pattern of linking appears in several sites, actually, several newspapers. So I'm wondering if there's some kind of push there. But Damien and Martin Lewis, who's the guy that owns or runs Money Saving Expert, which is the site you mentioned before, like he is super famous. Like there, there will, you'll see articles in the newspaper like, oh, Martin Lewis says this, and that's the title. So it's kind of, ex- you're expected to know who Martin Lewis is. That's my life goal, you know, for this year. <laughs> <laughs> One of these days, yeah. So I think that that's kind of showing you how he's building up his like personality and persona in the industry and journalists are kind of like looking to him really as a, as a topical 
topical expert here. He's also, I've seen him go on quite a number of other podcasts as well. Even like the Financial Times has a podcast. So he's like seen as a kind of expert that they they pulled into one of the episodes there. And there's also a ton of forum links, forum sites like Reddit, where people are trying to explain things to other people on the site, but like referencing this article about, you know, oh, how to get out of debt or how to choose whatever. So yeah, people are linking to a lot of his info content. I think it's phone. huge, actually. This part is huge. If people are organically referring to him a lot, it means they engage with the content a lot. And so, for example, Google Discover, right? It works based on Android Chrome page views. Like, the content gets pushed based on that. And so that's why I saw some people on Twitter were like, oh, I emailed my article to my list and now it's doing well on Google Discover. That's because you mail to your list, people click on the link, it opens in Chrome on Android, Google captures that data, and then based on the engagement data, pushes it on could Discover and sends you more traffic. And so people are like engaging with that content and sharing it and doing all that. I see, I'm telling you, it builds a lot of brand signals for Google. And that's a big one. If you want a sign that a site's going to do well, that's what you look for. You look for like UGC where people spontaneously refer to your content. And I'm thinking, you know, what, well, why are people doing that? Well, it's because there's a lot of very simple, very clear info guides that genuinely help people sometimes, you know, in difficult situations. And it's just like, you know, very simple explainer information. And I think that that, that works well in, in that type of type of situation. Also, like there's no ads and it doesn't feel like it's trying yeah. to like push something. So people are more likely to share that as well. So it's something to consider if you're, you know, thinking of putting ads on your site too. Um, it can harm growth in kind of like more subtle yeah. things like that as well. I think it's an interesting debate actually. So as like pay money, cool. But I think the cost in growth is often not talked about. And when you talk about these engagement signals, this shareability of content, obviously maybe they should share, fix their share buttons if people like to share it. That'd be a good idea. But other than that, like it's like no way if the site was plastered with Ezoic ads everywhere, would that happen on Reddit, et cetera? And it's like, it's not really for the Reddit traffic. Like you get some, we, we have that too on the toy hack. You get some Reddit traffic, but you won't get a ton of Reddit traffic. But it's more about the data it feeds back to recommendation engines from Google, from other places. That is extremely valuable. And, and overall, for me, like when I see that, I can quite predictively tell the site's going to do well in the future. Not because of these things, but because if people like the content and engage with it, like, quite often the right things tend to happen. Like you get invited in the right places that get you a link because people are talking about journalists use social media to source stories. Like if if some stuff I do gets talked about, it's not because I uh, rank on it for it on Google, it's because I talked about it on social media or like people reshared it or something like this, et cetera. And it's the same, you know? Yeah, when, when we're trying to do any kind of link building campaign or PR campaign, we turn off, we have a turn off the ads. Yeah. We turn off all ads, but also all pop-ups and like really kind of try and minimize all that stuff. So it just feels like, oh, this is just a valuable resource. Yeah, and I think that's something that not enough people do. Really turn off all monetization on some pages in exchange for high engagement. And you can return it on later when the piece is not as popular. Like it doesn't mean you have to do it forever, but especially if we if you put a lot of resources in something, it's quite tempting to be like, oh, let, let's get some money back. 
uh, like put ads, like, you know, sticking to the bottom, sticking to the top, scrolling with you, etc. It's like, you're killing it. Stay without any of that for a few months. And then when the traffic is stable and lower, then bring it back. And you're going to make less money, but you're going to get more links. You're going to get more growth from this. And that's what you're doing it for, not for those 300 bucks from ads or something. In terms of like monetization, they have a few different things going on. So every category has its own comparison engine. For example, the mortgage Best Buy table. Now, what's, I guess, a little bit different from most other sites out there is the simplicity that they have. Quite often when you're trying to find a mortgage, you know, you put in your address, how long you've lived there, you know, your medical history and like billions of other data points. And it just takes ages. And it's really annoying when you just want to like see kind of what the rates are or something. They have just four pieces of information. You need like what type of mortgage is it? Are you a first time buyer? How much is your house worth? How much do you want to borrow? And then you click a button and instantly all the stuff is there, which I think is is really good, uh, very easy to use if someone's just browsing and wants to to kind of see what's up. So maybe that that helps them out somewhat. I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, it stands out versus their competitors. The other monetization thing is what we talked about, this 80-20 investor thing, which we don't know how much money, how much revenue they're, they're making off of that versus the rest of the stuff on their site. I'm not necessarily a big fan of it, just it doesn't really align with the way I would invest money. I understand some people might want a bit more hand-holding with that, that stuff. And um, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it could be good, but I'm not sure if it really aligns with the, what's in the best interest of, their, of all of their customers uh, across the, the, the rest of the site. But certainly works for fool.com. Do you get any revenue numbers from them that's like definitely mm. millions a year? Yeah, actually. yeah, hundreds of millions actually across hundreds all of those Across yeah. all that stuff, but the thing is, like the, the the weakness of this of this site as well is the the email list. They don't capture emails aggressively enough. I'm sure it contributes to like the user friendliness of the site, but it wouldn't hurt to have like mid content, some kind of like widget that captures emails, etc. Because now it's only in a footer, and it's it's a weak opt in as well. It's like get yeah. our weekly roundup. It's like yeah, it's like no one wants to just subscribe to your newsletter. They want a a, a reason to opt in. Like yeah, give them something magnets, there yeah. and then. To do that, especially something relevant to the content, especially on. for and like, uh, um, especially for like investing, like it's there's so many. I, even like, even if you have no lead magnet, like you can A/B test benefit base. Like, I'll be the smartest investor in the room, or like, like double your returns this year. Something like this. Like, you could say something like this, and it's like it's still the newsletter, but it's like you benefit based. So overall, it's super weak. And weak email opt-in means weak sales of the product, and so I don't think they sell a lot. I think they, they just launched this, but they don't really know what they're doing. So I don't know if you sign up for the email list and how much they pushed it, but I'm pretty sure it's quite weak. Like I, I checked the, the thank you page. I'm going to recheck now. But from what I remember, there's not even um, a CTA for that on the thank you page, which, yeah, it's weak. So like that part of the business is weak. I feel like they're, if I had to say something's wrong with this site, is that it's like they're doing a good job at being credible, but they really have nothing to sell you other than affiliate offers. Which is fine, but the day they lose that ranking for that credit card keyword, their revenue is going to cut in half and it's going to hurt. Whereas they get a lot of traffic for and a lot of goodwill from people, and they should monetize that better. I think that's and I think that's a weakness we're going to see in a lot of 
places on the sites we're going to review today, actually. Yeah, one sort of somewhat unique thing about this site, though, is I think they do a fantastic job in branding and establishing themselves really as an, an authority in the in the space. Through their content, they also have a podcast, I think 400 and something episodes on there as well. It's multiple okay, times per us. week, so really active on there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. YouTube, their about page is kind of quirky and stuff as well. They're in the press everywhere. They're just doing a little bit of everything quite well, you know, and it's it, it's clearly working for them. You know what's not working? The sign-up form. It's like even on incognito without an ad blocker, like uh, I put my email, it doesn't redirect me anywhere. So yeah, talking about weak email, here we go. It's too bad. It's too bad because they're like, they're doing all the right things, then they don't they don't actually make the money they should make from it. So it's like, it's really, it's it's. I guess they're like, they got bigger than they thought they would at the beginning. And now they're like trying to catch up on this, which honestly, we've been, most of the time we've been running sites. So it's yeah, like, oh, I yeah. don't blame. I'm not I, like, I oh my God, look that, at yeah. how great we are and how <laughs> shit they are. I'm just saying yeah. they could probably 10x their revenue quite easily with a good product offering and a strong email strategy and a bit of an ads strategy as well. And that leads me on to like the last point about future prospects. Like I think they will 10x their revenue, you know, in the next five years or so. This is this is clearly a site going places on a great upward tra trajectory. I think it has a lot of potential, very high value market that they're they're in and they've, they've done a, a, a great job of, of everything. So yeah. They've done the part. hardest part. It's like, honestly, yeah. the hardest part is being credible and overall just finding your style and, and doing something people like in general. People like it. Now it's just a matter of like, okay, doing a, a paid version of what people like and monetizing better. So like they really need to work on capturing needs today and then product sometime this year and then they could really make good money i mean look at full.com they make hundreds of millions um don't think these guys will make hundreds of millions but making high seven figures within two or three years yeah quite easily okay is that it yep Let's jump on to the next one, which is going to be a lot less financial. So, so one, one sec, just uh, we should probably speed it up a bit. That's like uh, <laughs> you, 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 podcast. Are the, you are the yeah, one. I know, I know. I'm just saying. <laughs> okay, let's jump on to the next one, which is LetteringDaily.com, and that is a calligraphy site. So that's a yeah, 45 sites that gets 164,000 traffic, which is pretty decent for this level of authority. It's like it's still like not the lowest authority, but it's, it's good. For me, it looks like kind of like the perfect example of what a good authority site should be in 2023. So the design is good, but it's nothing crazy. Like it's, it's everyone can build this. It looks a lot like a task site, to be honest. It builds an email list on the on the header and then there there is a lead magnet this time on like the financial site. So in this case, they give you like a bunch of like Procreate brushes. So it's like the illustration software. So like, you know, you get different types of brushes. There's, I I, down, I actually downloaded it. There's like printable, there's like uh, tutorials, etc. It's actually a lot in the lead magnet, but it's cool. They are involved in the industry. They don't just do SEO articles. And I think that's a big one. Uh, you were mentioning that these other guys have 400 podcast episodes. Well, these guys are doing, like, they have 300,000 followers on Instagram with calligraphy images. They have 183,000 followers on Pinterest. They're not doing as well on Twitter. They only have 3,000. They have a few videos on YouTube. They have 14,000 subscribers. 
and they have 10,000 people that follow them on Facebook. But when they post, they actually get engagement. You know, they get like 20 I think that's, to 50 that's likes. probably somewhat due to the nature of calligraphy. Like it's yeah, a very course, visual, visual thing. Yeah. So the Instagram's Pinterest is going to do well versus Twitter, you know? Yeah, yeah. But like, that, that's the thing. It's like, some, but like, you know, if the financial side could do really well on YouTube, for example, probably could do quite well on Instagram too. Like reels with uh, financial advice. Like, I mean, shorts on TikTok, et cetera. That does quite well. But maybe less Pinterest, for example. But overall, what I like is they do... They don't just write SEO articles. They they do other things and they really run this like a brand, not like an SEO play. And it's like personally, like I'm starting to believe more and more that like if all your pages are targeting a high volume keyword, it's kind of a, a, a dead giveaway that you're just trying to game the engine. Whereas if you do other things, it's like and you have and also this builds brand metrics. For example, lettering daily has 920 monthly volume according to SEM Rush, which means People are searching for that exact site, it's navigational search to it. If you're a decent brand, that's expected. And people wouldn't do that if they didn't find them in other places. That's how they do this. They see a pin on Pinterest, they're like, oh, what is lettering daily? Go on Google, type it, find it, and then give some metrics to Google. And the thing is, because these they are essentially doing all these things, they're not growing like at an astronomical rate, but they are growing very steadily through these updates. And it's like, okay, there's been ups and downs. For example, in 2020, they went from 100K traffic to 60K traffic. So that hurt a bit. But then today they are at 163K. So if you kind of like the stock market, you know, it's like you look at your investments, it's like, and then you look over time and it goes like this, you know? So it's like, it works a little bit like that. And I think that's kind of like a small debate I wanted to open on, like whether doing 100% SEO is the best SEO tactic anymore, or should you actually do other things so that maybe you trade a bit of growth, but you win stability and this is fairly stable. Yeah, they can, they definitely feed into each other, right? If everyone's talking about you on social, I mean, in the last example on places like Reddit and stuff, if you're on these forums, people link to you and it all feeds into each other. But the challenge, especially if you're starting out, is division of resources. If you just do SEO versus you do SEO plus 10 social platforms, then you're not putting as much focus on the, the content and the the articles that you're creating. So maybe you're limiting your your growth in that way. I definitely think for established long-term sites with lots of resources, you should do it all. But we know certainly what worked for us is go like really doubling down on, on SEO. And then slowly we've been starting to add in more things without sacrificing that. I mean, I think also, and we'll talk about this, there's ways to kind of like create social content within your SEO content and, and save a bunch of money. And also to counter this argument, because I know a lot of people would say that. My last example will show you, you can have huge SEO growth without any of this shit. There's an argument for both, I think. It depends what you want. I think if you want the fast growth, just do SEO. If you want to kind of like, I want to build a brand, I want to build something long term, then I would try to do more platforms earlier. That's my point. But let's go to the content. The first example of content that I want to go through is the calligraphy fonts example. So it's basically a utility piece of content that is 72 calligraphy fonts that you can use for things like Procreate or whatever, or like anything that actually is not Procreate. Procreate, you draw yourself. Uh, it's more for like Photoshop, stuff like that. It has 15,000 traffic and it ranks number one for best calligraphy font. So it's a really cool one. And the value in this is like, it's not really to brag about how great of a calligrapher you are. It is to go straight to the point, 
allow people to find what they need. They have Photoshop open. They need a font. Please give me the fucking fonts. Don't give me a long intro. Don't do all of that, etc. And I think what this piece is good at is it has this kind of like categorized way of going through mini lists of fonts, right? So the first one, you have the first divide, which is free and paid. So it's very clear that some people, they want to pay. Some people, they don't want to pay. I mean, nobody wants to pay, but some people are willing to pay. And then they divided in these, you just have types of fonts. So contemporary, script, elegant, gothic, etc., etc. like all this, these kind of like technical terms. And you click on one of these items and you go to a mini list of like 10, 15 fonts that match exactly what you want. You don't waste your time. If it's free, you just click on a button, you download it. If it's paid, you click on a button, probably an affiliate link, you buy it and then you can use it. And so I think they've done a really good job here because it's important, I think, in these days to find what you want fast. It's actually the second time we record this part, but like I mentioned to Mark how feature snippets have been recently updated by Google. Two things have happened. One, they have made the fonts bigger. And second, they have had added a blue highlight on a part of the feature snippet that matches best the query. So they like feature snippet was already a short way to answer the answer. And they're like, well, people don't even read that. So we need to kind of like highlight a half sentence on the snippet so people get exactly what they want fast. My personal opinion is it is an answer to AI search because AI search is really slow. Quite often it takes 20, 25 seconds to get an answer. So they're like, well, why if you just get exactly what you want in less than a second? And I think that might have more value while not disrupting Google's business model of making so much money from us. But if they expect that from Google search results, they expect that from the content that ranks as well. And they're more likely to rank content that does that. And this way of breaking out the content is a really cool way of doing that. And in general, jump links should happen in every content. Table of content is kind of the lazy way to do that. Sometimes there's kind of like better ways to do it. Quite often we do it manually. Quite often we should update our content to do it more, Mark, to be honest. But overall, it works well. And every time we've done it, we've never seen negative results. So I would recommend you go after this for your content. The second example I have is a piece of commercial content on best calligraphy pens. It is a roundup preview classic affiliate keyword, but not in a traditional format. There's no comparison table on top. There's no product CTA. Yeah, it ranks number one for best calligraphy pen. It's like what it doesn't have in the formatting it has in this experience. They have a bunch of cool custom images where they show you the different types of pen, like a brush pen, a quill, etc. And they show you the type of lines they make. They have a section on which one is best for beginner and so on. It really feels like this is hands-on because of the imagery, because of all of that. I'm absolutely terrible at design. I can't design for shit, but just like looking at it, it's so pretty and like so nice. And I like, I, I want to get into calligraphy just looking at this photo of the like different size millimeter brush head or pen heads and like how you can do stuff with it. It's like, it's great. And this works super well on social media as well. I can see why it does well on Pinterest and whatnot. So that's what I mentioned earlier that you can build social content within your main content. That's what they're doing here. Like they can reuse most of this imagery, like, you know, dress it up a bit on a tool like Canva or something, share and then get a bunch of engagement, build these brand signals from literally commercial content in this case. And it's kind of an interesting case because then you'd be like, oh, and what I did is I, I Googled actually best calligraphy pen. I looked at who is number two. And then I was looking at the difference between the two pages. And the number two is a much more classic roundup review, really nothing 
much to say, like it's a literally an Amazon product table, etc. And they're running below, and you're like, oh, is this the death of search intent? Does Google now put EEAT above the expected formats, for example? I don't think that's exactly true because in this case, not exactly true, all things being equal, but all things are not equal because in this case, this page, because it has all this cool stuff, has collected 95 linking root domains. People actually organically link to it because it's cool. Whereas the number two only has five linking root domains. And so I think more than like a search intent fight we're seeing here is a link building fight where because the content is cooler, it got more links and it ranked higher. So in a way, it's kind of cool to finally see some pieces that break the mold, but if they're popular, actually overtake pieces that maybe match the expected results. So maybe they, maybe search intent weakened a bit compared to what we've seen in the last two years. But still, I think if the number of links was equal, I think it would be a much tougher fight for a piece like this that breaks the mold, basically. So it's like, probably you want to do a bit of both, but it's still a cool example that you can do some original stuff and provided it's popular in terms of links, you can still get the search traffic. And that's pretty cool. Then I looked at their links and there's the few things that I saw. First of all, a lot of people steal their images and hot link to it. So basically, they just take the URL on the website and link to it. There's a way to protect from that on Cloudflare, but I actually wouldn't. I would let people steal the images. And then I would reach out to these people and be like, hey, it's my image. Don't you want to link to my site, maybe? And actually, it's a, it's actually a module of training that I've done recently in uh, Photoshop Hacker Pro. It's a really big opportunity if you have these kind of cool original images to build a bunch of links. So it's, a, it's an opportunity they're not capitalizing on now, but their top link URL are actually your images. So that gives you an idea of how popular this is. Their reference pages get great links. So for example, they have a reference page on modern calligraphy that gets links from Brit.co or apartmentguide.com. These are decent sites, basically. They have a page on calligraphy alphabets. I'm not a calligraphy expert. I have no idea what this is really. But what I know is that Wikipedia likes it so much that they link to it from every single version of Wikipedia. And while these are no follow links, they're still, you know, they they, they give you a certain level of authority, I believe. The way they make money is very classic. They make money from affiliate and ads. They run classic ad networks and they have roundup reviews. But as I said, they go a little bit more on social media. What I like about social media is they use their SEO traffic to grow their social media as well. So they embed their pins, they embed Instagram posts, etc., inside their blog posts so that people learn from search, see something cool, and then they can click through. It opens Instagram on their phone and then they can follow basically. They also don't just do SEO content and we talked about this earlier. They do interviews, so they interview calligraphers or people who have clients, for example, things like that. They do what we do with the podcast. They create content that's community-driven, not just SEO-driven. And I think that's that's also a key to like building this brand thing, etc. People searching for their brand name and so on. And that's the future prospect section now. I'm still quite disappointed at like how cool this site is and how poorly monetized it is. And I, again, when I see this site, I see the Kevin Espiritu of calligraphy, you know, that guy. And it's like... He's missing a course on an e-commerce section, basically. Again, that's a 20x opportunity for this site compared to what they're making. Like they've, they've done all the right things. They're doing it well, but they haven't figured out how to make actual bankable money from this. Like that's, not just like make a living, but like, like make real right good money. You know, because you know, yeah, yeah, you, you start earlier, from there. Like you monetize yeah. too early, then it limits your growth. But they've really gone for the 
the growth and then they'll, they'll switch. And they have the email list and they have the lead magnet unlike the financial side. So that part is kind of figured out. I think it's pretty decent. What's missing now is just selling stuff to people. They, this guy needs to, his YouTube channel is not big. He has 14,000 followers. Like I think it's less effort to make a course than to make the YouTube channel to 100K. But the revenue is going to probably be 20 to 50X if he makes a course compared to growing the YouTube channel at first. After that, maybe he should explore YouTube. So my opportunity, I think his first opportunity is like make a calligraphy course. And then probably an e-commerce would do really, really well as well, selling high-quality calligraphy equipment. Um, it's like, you know, I was looking at this site, I was like, it's like, I'm a very cautious investor, but I would invest in this site if I could have an input on like how it's monetized. Like zero doubt, I'd put money down and I'd go and, and figure out monetization of the audience because it's like, given how cool the content is, how much people like it as well, it's easy mode, honestly. Like easy mode 20x this site. So yeah, it's like get in touch, I guess. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a really cool site overall. They're really big opportunities. Do you want to do the next one? Sure. So the next site is birdwatchinghq.com. Now, first impressions of this site are okay. I'd say that purely based on the on the design. So a bit of background. It's a DR51 site. So again, not huge, but it has half a million monthly visitors, which is excellent, I guess. It makes around three hundred to four hundred thousand dollars per month. That's an estimate based on an interview that they did a few years back where they revealed, I think, their 2019 numbers. So, How much again? You know, three hundred to four hundred thousand dollars per year. My main issue with the site is that it just looks okay. But this is also a good thing because it shows you you don't have to build a phenomenal professionally designed website to make a lot of money and get you know half a million visitors. This is a site designed by a guy who's clearly a birdwatching expert, hobbyist, passionate about this. He's not a, an SEO that's come and chosen the niche. He's done it the other way around. So it just goes to show you that even if you don't have all these technical skills, all these marketing skills, you can still make a very, very successful, very popular site. They have a YouTube channel as well, which has 90,000 subscribers on YouTube, which I think is quite good. One of the reasons why that's gotten so popular, though, is because in the last few years, they've started doing these live streams of like birds' nests, bird like feeding areas. There's always like 24 hours a day, there are people watching these just in case a bird comes along, which I, I think is fascinating. But it shows there's you, a ton you know, of birds. If you go on it, there's like, I'm watching the Africa one because they have it in different continents too. <laughs> and it's like, you open it and it's like a bunch of birds just eating food. Yeah, so there's actually one of their affiliate programs which they're in is called Cam Streamer, which I believe is related to the the streaming of these these kind of bird watching sites or bird watching nests or whatever you call them. So I think there's there's some kind of monetization goes around those, but he's actually the owner set some up in his back garden as well. So he operates some of these too, which I thought is pretty cool. Now, if we dig into it a little bit further, let's start with the content. So they have a massive, massive amount of, of content. According to Ahrefs, they have over 5,000 pages on their site, which is a ton of content. I looked, what's really interesting about the site is how they've structured it. So if you go into ID Guides, birdwatchinghq.com slash ID Guides Index, they have a list of all of the states in the US. So all 50 states in there, and each state has a complete list of pages about the most popular ducks in Rhode Island, the most popular eagles in Rhode Island, falcons in Rhode Island, and the same for every other state as well. 
Now, this obviously creates a ton of, of pages, even expanded beyond birds as well. So they cover reptiles, they cover mammals like dolphins and things like that, they cover insects, even plants now as well. So it just creates this massive amount of content. And I know what some of you are probably thinking, well, how do they handle duplicate content? Because the eagles you have in Florida are the same as the eagles you have in Georgia. And the answer is they don't handle it very well. In fact, most of the content they have on the, the Florida Eagles page and the Georgia Eagles page is exactly the same. All the, the information about the bald eagle is identical. All the images are the same. The text is 100% copy-paste. I'd say they're probably not doing such a great job from like an SEO perspective on that. However, if you're from Florida and you want to find out all this information from like a user perspective, that is quite valuable. So there's maybe a bit of a trade-off there. Maybe it's from a, I don't know, lack of SEO knowledge or awareness. I'm, I'm not sure. Are they ranking these pages though? Not really, right? Some of them know. do. Not, so, not all of them, but some of them do. So there's a thing with Google where duplicate content is not an issue for local and that's something few people know that. So that you're allowed to make duplicate content provided you, for example, have different locations for your business. And you won't have problems. Like we've ranked. Uh, when we had an agency, we've done that like a lot. And Google's say that multiple times. Like there's not a thousand ways to describe a Starbucks. And it's like, if, if you have a thousand Starbucks, you shouldn't have to write a thousand description of what is a Starbucks. And so what I'm questioning is whether this falls under that because it's a local, essentially, keyword, you know? What is... I don't know if this contributes to it, but they actually have comments enabled on their site, which is something you don't see too often these days. And the comments that they have on there are seem to be policed very well because they're they're all genuine comments. And so in the Georgia page, there are people speaking about, oh, I saw an eagle in such and such park or location. So I don't know if that's adding like, you know, more specific Georgia-based content to it. I don't perhaps that. But that I, I think it might be okay. I think it's like uh, Google might treat this as like a local thing and it just falls under like a different layer. And it's like, okay, if someone comes up with something fully original, maybe they will rank under, but provided there's not too much competition, it, it might be a smart move to go that way, actually. Okay, that's interesting. They also, yeah, as I said, they cover other animals as well. So I, I feel like they've they've kind of covered all the birds and they think, oh, how can we get more content out there? That's something which the the author of the site, Scott, has said in in the interviews that I found with him is that they take a approach of just putting up a lot of content. And that was their plan in 2019 was to to just publish more and more and keep publishing. It seems like they've done that. They've ran out of birds to talk about. So they talked about other stuff as well. And it's it's also working as well. Like they rank for a bunch of keywords around like snakes and dolphins and, and all these things things too as well, which is, I think it's really interesting. They also have, so that's just like location specific topics. They also have articles like how do you attract X type of bird to your your yard. So woodpeckers, bluebirds, and every other bird. So they've, I think they've done a really good job of creating kind of structured templates and then repeating it for, you know, a different state or a different bird or a different location or a different whatever. Um, and it, it follows a very similar structure, but it's all all quite unique. And I think it's decent content. It looks a bit kind of heavy and all over the place. The typography is not great. The it's like a 1990s site of it. The like CTA buttons are like different colors and they, they're not amazing. Like the layout could be a lot better, but even with this poor layout, it still does very well. So it gets half, half a million visits. You've got to consider as well, they, they do some things right. So for example, you criticize the typography, 
But I question you, what is the average age of the of bird watchers? It's probably pretty old. The reason I say that is is more like their use of bolding. Like I saw there was like a title that was bolded, then like two sentences in a paragraph that was bolded, then the two bullet points below that were also bolded, and then the next paragraph wasn't. Don't you have like an uncle that just uh, writes to you on Facebook Messenger in all caps, in all for caps, example? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is a site for these people, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. And yeah. so that's what I'm saying. Like, if you consider, you know, the that's, average a, that's age, a really interesting point as well, because the the <laughs> font size is quite large. It's, it's as well, huge, exactly. So, yeah, it probably plays <laughs> into it. Yeah. So it's like, while it may look out of place to you, it may look great for people of that generation. And I think they do a decent job at that, actually. I was saying more like there's there's a lot of kind of vertical white space, like underneath a, an H2. There's like almost three lines of blank text before the paragraph starts and things like that. So I'm not sure that that's, that's going to It's not, it's not perfect, way. but it's not as bad. Uh, it's like, if you think of the demographic, there's a lot of like basics that are actually done, right? Combined with the ads as well on the site, I think it, it does sometimes feel a little bit over the top, but who am I to criticize? Okay. Anything else for that them? Yeah, just in terms of uh, links, they have a ton of links from like EDU websites who are linking to their bird watching live cams. Sites like Time Out are linking to them. Obviously, every Pinterest in the world has like all the geo-located Pinterest have tons of links to them. And lots of non-English Wikipedias linking to them as well, which is which is quite interesting. So yeah, seem to be like a, a, a well referenced. Do they do link building? I don't think they're doing any manual link building, no. I never saw any kind of like guest posty type links. It's all legitimate people talking about them as if they had searched and found that and oh here's a resource or Birdwatching HQ says that these are the best bird watching apps. And so I saw a few newspapers referencing that and stuff as well. Monetization. So uh, I saw that in the interview, there's 75% of the revenue comes from ads, 20% from affiliate, and 5% from e-com. Couldn't really find the e-com on there. I presume they have some like bird's nests or something, but it's it's really not obvious what they are or where, where to find them. They're using AdThrive, uh, which you can identify by on their like privacy policy. They, they have the words like Cafe Media Publisher. So if you ever see that on a site, you know they're using AdThrive, which can be useful. The way they've implemented Amazon affiliates is interesting as well. So very few of the images they have actually are links. So that could be a, a good way to uh, get a few more clicks there. They're using Genius as a link manager, and I think they're using Genius's Geo redirect rather than Amazon's one in there. So you know, not one that we would typically recommend, but seems to work work for them as well. And they're using a view today's price as the CTA on all of their buttons, which I haven't seen that one before. Like today's price, it's usually like check the best price or something. Like yeah. This. So I mean, again, it's it's okay. It's not great. Same with Genius. Like it's not bad. It's just I don't think there's a point when Amazon does it out of the box now to pay for an extra tool for it. So one sort of thing I want to talk about really about this site is the future prospects. Now, I think this site is certainly more at risk than some of the other sites we've talked about so far of like algo penalties, not necessarily penalties, but just like being treated less favorably in future algo updates. Like there's, you could see a a site executing some of this content in a little bit of a better way and leapfrogging them in that sense. So really feels like it's a very passionate, very enthusiastic hobbyist who's created an excellent site here, but it's still a little bit rough around the edges in places. And I think that 
if they're in the next few years, if they take some time to maybe just professionalize it a little bit more, spend a bit more money on their their kind of design layout and, and optimize a few things, then they'll be in a, a really so- solid position for you know the future as well. Yeah, it's, I mean, I think yeah, I think they they're due for redesign slash site audit. These difficult content stuff, I was like, it's probably okay, but it, it might not be. So it's like it's something to check. I, I would just check like how much how many of these pages with duplicate content are like ping-ponging in the subs, etc. But based on this, people leaving comments and stuff, I mean, it has a strong, strong community. So I'm wondering as well if there's not some way they can create some kind of, you know, like bird spotting reporting map or, or something and tie that into all their uh, state pages. So like, have you seen an eagle in Florida post a picture or post a location and, you know, like collect that data and do some cool Again, stuff when you it. have user engagement, like you could sell them something. It's a missed opportunity. And I feel like it's really, the more sites I look at, the more I'm like, yeah, people can't get out of as an affiliate. And it's like, it's, you can't always get out of it. Like if you don't have engagement, it's difficult to sell anything to people. But if you do, it's really something to explore. Like we're really talking like you're making five, 10 times more money. It's quite worth it. I just actually found their e-com store. So it's it's actually, they just have a link to the BWHQ store on Amazon. And so all their, their products are, are there. But it's like bird feeders, bird cages, that kind of stuff. Okay, let's jump on to the next one, which is going to be a bit more classic. It's like it's cool to share like super well-branded sites, etc. But I don't want to just share that. I want to share what works. And here's a site that works that looks average. So it's like it's drcert. It's guitarlobby.com. It's a DR30 site that has two hundred and thirty-five thousand traffic. So it is down from the peak of three hundred sixteen thousand traffic. But still, I think we can all agree that two hundred thirty-five thousand monthly traffic for DR30 site is Decent. I wouldn't, I wouldn't exactly call this a failure, even though they had more traffic at some point. And what makes me laugh is like, it's basically default generate press on it. They haven't changed anything. Just the, like, there's nothing in there. But if you go on the about page and you check who writes the site, you will see that these people are actually legit. The main guy is a guitar teacher. Some other people are like guitar players, but also songwriters and singers. And they have like music videos that they've done with songs they sing, etc. And so like it's it's pretty legit behind. And also when you jump into the content that you will see that it's quite legit as well. But also they're pretty smart in the way they create content. And um, the first example I want to take is the 70 easy acoustic guitar songs for beginners. And basically what they've done is they've made a YouTube playlist. <laughs> the structure of the content is like, Intro, H2, video, a little bit of a table with like the chords and the draw, etc. A short, a short description of the lesson, and then second one, third one, etc. And it's just they took random videos on YouTube teaching you how to play these things, and 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 you just go in there and you watch the video for like 15, 20 minutes to learn how to do the song, and that's it. And they have so many of these pages, and it's really powerful because you get a very high time on page. Like people are watching videos, you become essentially a collection of media for this query and it's uh and and they, they didn't need to create any of these videos they just got them on searching for uh, from searching on youtube the guy actually they don't rank number one for that keyword the guy who outranks them has the same post format but guess what he has that they don't have jump links and so i it was interesting i mean obviously i'm talking about two examples here it's not exactly like oh my god this is how google works it shows you that because people get to see the titles of the songs and then click on it it jumps then down to the right page, section of the page then they can just watch the lesson on watching it i think that's one of the reasons they're doing better because actually this site 
guitar lobby has more links actually. So it's like they're not, it's not like they're losing on the link battle or something like this. So I think that was a pretty cool content format. And that's a content format a lot of people can do to create high engagement content. The next one, obviously, I took a random preview because a lot of people uh, do this. And that was the 17 best mini guitar amps in 2023. And so it looks like a random preview, right? It's like you get an intro, you get basically, it, it's kind of a table, it's it, not very well formatted. It looks very basic, but with a bunch of amps. And then after that, you get 10 products and then you get a buying gap. But there's a few things that are interesting in here. First one is they link to multiple retailers, which is a good thing. Google has mentioned that in their product review guidelines, you should be doing this. The second thing is that they use, again, lots of YouTube videos for each product. They found like a decent review on YouTube and put it in there so you can just watch it within there. They also make it scannable by making the table with the specs for each product, which is kind of nice, especially when you look for a mini amp. Probably you care about size, for example, and having the dimensions really easy to find is quite cool and the power is quite cool. But I think what really makes them stand out is the tone of voice and how they write. So the reviews have lots of EEAT baked in. And for example, they don't, for the product description, they don't call it product description, they call it my review. When they talk about one of these amps, I actually wrote down some sentences and it was like, oh, the downside with the batteries is that due to the power of the M, they do not last long, about eight hours. So batteries are not a good option for practicing or recording. So again, like he gives, like he gives a downside from his perspective. You also have with the M, there is a complementary copy of the Cubase AI in which, which is a great software to record in. Again, giving a value of judgment. This is great. This is not great. All in all, I would say that the best mini guitar amp right now out there and it's reasonably priced gives his opinion. And then it's all of this through the product reviews. It's like, there is like kind of like an opinion expressed. It's not very strong. It's still descriptive of the features, but you get a little bit of weight behind this without just not just describing what it is. Basically, I think that is what makes these makes this site does so do so well. And the fact that they're DR30 with 230 plus K traffic, they're able to bake that in their copy. And very few people talk about this in SEO, mostly because very few people actually read content. They're so obsessed with the table of content or the, the overall structure that they don't actually read the words. And I think that's the kind of stuff that we talked about with Kyle Roof in the interview, where we talked about putting expertise in content. It's using that, this kind of semantic sentence structures that I think give it a lot of weight. And so it's good to see a small site that should not get this much traffic do very well with, they lost a bit of traffic, but they still do extremely well given their level of authority, utilizing this when literally the rest of the site is also very bare bones and would not carry that. There's not a strong brand. There's not that. So overall, I think it's, it's quite interesting to see that. When it comes to their links, uh, they are a source in Wikipedia quite often, but honestly, most of their links are quite shit. They're pretty bad. And again, makes sense. They're like a site with lots of content, DR30. They haven't really engaged in link building. And so again, it's like, an even stronger reason to actually read their content and look at how they're doing it because that's the only thing that can really stand out here. The way they make money, pretty classic, effort reviews and ads, and it's the same as the, the usual of the three sites we've seen so far. But I really like some angles that they've taken for this. So for example, there's a really cool keyword slash money angle, which is name of the musician with a guitar and gear. And they essentially tell you, I saw like Neil Young, I saw like Dolly Parton, etc., And then they just make the list of everything they use. It's really good. That reminds me of that, uh, like there was a golf site that used to do that with like, what's in the bag? 
It's actually a, an acronym in uh, for golf, right? It's like a WATB or something. And then it's like, uh, so you put the name plus WATB and then it's like, there's lots and lots of searches and it's not that competitive. It's not only that competitive, but people who are Googling these, they're looking to buy the same equipment or at least are interested. And you can put affiliate links. It's literally people are looking for a list of products here. So it's like, it's a, it's a really cool one. It's a really cool angle. And quite often when you have personalities associated with whatever you're talking about on your site, there will be, to some degree, these kind of keywords, and you can rank for lots of cool, high or medium traffic keywords that are monetizable. Another thing that I think they did really well is the use of YouTube videos. You'll see that on all their pages, there's tons and tons and tons of YouTube videos for everything that's related to what they do. I see sites trying to do this, but quite often they pick a shit video. They don't really care. They don't really watch five videos on the topic to find the best one. They just pick whichever comes first, and it's shit. So <laughs> these guys actually picked decent videos. And that's the value of the, the value here. It's like, you actually need to put that effort in there. And by the way, there are now GPT Chrome extensions that allow you to summarize YouTube videos based on a transcript. If you want to find YouTube videos a little bit easier. So yeah, I think that's the two main things I would take away from these guys. <laughs> Notes in a future prospect, I put build a fucking community. <laughs> the reason why is because they actually have expertise but they don't collect emails. They don't do any of that. They just put some ads and, and some uh, affiliate when I think it would be like, especially when you're running for this kind of keywords, like easy acoustic guitar songs, like people are looking to learn, like people are looking to, they would probably try like a percentage of these people would trade some money for that. And there's like lots of guitar teaching sites that make also millions per year with uh, interactive lessons, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, for music learning in particular, it works really well with uh, membership sites. Uh, so when you you have like all the course content and like trainings and stuff, but there's also like a community to help support you because it's difficult, especially on your own, you know, moving forward and like you always got all these these kind of questions. I remember the, the membership geeks, they did a conference in the UK a few years back and there's so many people teaching even like really obscure instruments and stuff that had uh, membership sites around it and did really well. So it hits that product plus community thing at the same time. Yeah, I think it's a missed opportunity here as well. I think they're like, they're having a, like, they have a site. They have the expertise. We see it in their round of reviews, for example. They have the traffic that is looking to learn and they have the format of content that works with all these YouTube videos. Um, and if it works, it means people want to consume videos. Some people will pay for better videos. Like the opportunity is like right in front of them. And again, it's, it's one of these things where it's maybe a little bit less good than like the calligraphy site. Like I don't think it's as engaging the content and same, the, the branding on the site is terrible. This site deserves a rebranding, but like with a serious investment into that, I think again, it's, it's a 10 X opportunity for this site. Um, so it's like they're sitting on a gold mine. It's up to them to kind of like live up to that. That's pretty much it. That's pretty much the site. But I have like a kind of a bonus one for you, which is going to be a, a little different this time. So it's Ooh, like, I, I know I'm, I know a lot of people are like rolling their eyes because I'm like, ah, talking about branding, etc. Like, I just want to build backlinks and get AI content on my site. What are you talking about? And it's like, <laughs> and well, here we go. Here's a site that's doing really well lately that uh, does something a bit different. It's soulwinery.net. And so it's a site about woodworking, it says the number one education resource since 2006 on the homepage. It features links from as seen on Bob Villa, Handyman, Homes and Garden, the Spruce, Washington Post. And it's like, it's not my favorite design, but it almost looks like a product company, like they're selling something of theirs. So I was like, oh, great. looks like a legit site. I can talk about branding again. And I started digging. 
<laughs> Just to give you some stats, by the way, this site is a DR54 site. It has 336,000 traffic according to Ahrefs. But it's a meteoric rise from 2020. It has won every Google update there is out there. It, like uh, it's, it was at like 50K, it went to 336K or something, right? So it's pretty cool. And so like, yeah, the homepage was very impressive. And it says like 15 years of experience, etc. of excellence, sorry, not experience, with a trust pilot of like 4.5 or something, right? With from four reviews. Anyway, I put the site in archive.org and I was like, oh, 15 years, I'm going to find something, right? This site was a winery site until 2016. Uh, so, <laughs> so no, that is not correct. It became an affiliate site after the domain dropped, I guess. Uh, SA, would that be like South Australia Winery or something like that? Something like that. Uh, I mean, anyway. That just saw. Yeah, I, I, so, lo- I love the repurpose. <laughs> there. That's so, so I was like, okay. Uh, so the domain might be 15 years old, but that was a wine site. That was not. It's an impressive repurposing, but it's a repurposing that happened in 2016. I'm not sure it would go that well if you repurpose the domain like semantically this much, like from essentially wine to power tools and woodworking today. Uh, it's quite difficult to make this work. Then I, I was like, okay, interesting. Let's look at the main guy behind this, Robert Johnson. I'm not saying he doesn't exist. I'm just saying I couldn't find much of him online. <laughs> and it's like, uh, it's like when you open the social networks, there's like three connections. It kind of looks a little bit like a, this person does not exist.com image. Few of the other employees, especially Vivian, the HR director one, that really looks like a this person does not exist image. And if you yeah. click on all the link, the LinkedIn Nothing works. links, it all links back to just one yeah. person's LinkedIn, Robert, who has 23 connections. And I mean, who has 23 connections on LinkedIn? Aren't you surprised as well that all the photos are like the same angle? Uh, yeah, it does look yeah, like it's, a, it's the eyes that always give it away. Yeah. I can't tell for sure. I, I wouldn't say 100% these are I would fake. say Nolan, Garrett, and Vivian are definitely, this person does not exist. Maybe Elias. Robert may be a real real one. It look, does look okay. a bit different. And that's as far as I can go, right? I couldn't, I, like, I can't make any assumption without any proof. I mean, I can't, I can't claim anything without any proof, so I'm not going to do that. So I looked at their content instead. I was like, okay, fine, let's go, let's go check the content. How does this site rise so much in Google? So I picked the number one page by traffic, which is the top 100 woodworking projects for beginners, quick and cool, apparently, according to the parentheses and around it, which uh, is interesting. So I was like, okay, well, that's that's a list post, right? There's a, and I want you to open that page, Mark. It's a list post, not, nothing too crazy, except that the list items are not actually text. They're images, which means just take your mouse and hover it over like the bullet points you will see, for example, on the page. You will notice that this is a screenshot. There's only 1,800 words on that massive page. Everything else is actually screenshots. And so it's like, and basically all these projects are, are stolen from other sites. So for example, I looked into the 96 project, which is the shanty2cheek.com project. And they took the image and they made this kind of like essentially box that features this project, right? Now the question is, why are they doing this? And I can't really tell for sure. So what I can tell you is I've heard people talking about this, that actually Google reads content in images, but does not count it as duplicate content sometimes. I haven't tried it myself, but what I know is this page gets 30,000 traffic per month <laughs> and it's full of images with text on it. And also when you right click this image and you want to analyze it with Google Lens, 
Google actually can read the text. So it's like, I'm wondering if it just doesn't go through a different layer of Argo or something like this. And I haven't tried, so I don't want to make assumptions, but it is quite interesting. That page has a lot of links too. I think it got a lot of links from ranking number one too. So there, there is definitely some paid links in there and we'll talk about this. But yeah, other than that, I don't have much else to say other than very strange. So next I went to the to a commercial piece like we do. So I went for the cheapest riding lawnmower. It ranks number one for cheapest riding lawnmower. It's a super basic roundup review. They're missing the opportunity to have a comparison table on top. They update regularly. Honestly, there's not much to say about this page like that you haven't seen in a thousand I roundup reviews, except there, one thing. There's meant to be a table there because there's the text table could not be displayed. So oh, that's true. technical <laughs> issue. That's true. Okay, so they want a table, but it's buggy, basically. The one thing that I found very interesting that is going to be interesting to many people listening to this and that even white hat size can learn from is that they have one main call to action, check today's price, so the, the CTA text that we talked about. But you know how I said that Google wants to mention multiple stores. The problem with Firefox is when you mention multiple stores, you usually have one that makes you a lot of money, and you send your traffic to the others, and it makes fuck all money, and then you do that, and it, you're losing money, basically. What they've done is they have put other links behind a tiny toggle at the bottom left of the box that shows this. And it's just like a bullet point with a link so that the HTML code has multiple links to the product. But good luck, what percentage of people are going to click on this tiny toggle and then essentially do that? So I must say, credit to them for this. Very creative. Uh, (laughs) It's a really cool CRO trick of like following the guidelines but also making sure 99.9% of clicks get on the affiliate link that makes you the most money. And so that one, I mean, I wouldn't be making the toggle this small maybe, but I think you can, with like fair design, you can copy something like this and have links to affiliate offers that might not be that lucrative on your page, but have barely any clicks on them, which essentially makes Google happy and makes you happy as an affiliate. So that was a, a pretty cool little trick from this one that I learned, actually. I didn't think about this, but I like it. Um, they're going to hate me. The next thing I want to look at is the links, obviously. So I went back to my woodworking projects for beginners. And I mean, given the rest of what we found on the site, we're not surprised to see that we found a bunch of paid link insertions. So it's like, uh, there's a few, um, like basically the way you find this is you check that do follow links and you see very rich anchor text on kind of like simulated pages, but not really, you know, and they just randomly have like simple wood projects or simple woodworking projects anchor text in the middle of the page from pages that just aren't re- that relevant to it. And yeah, you can tell 99% sure these are paid. And despite Google's Link spam updates, etc. Obviously, given the traffic of this site, this is working really well, right? So it's like, I like showing this example. I'm not showing this example to like out something, but rather to show that while some branded stuff is working better, the gray hat shit also is working pretty good right now. <laughs> and it's like, you need to see that. Monetization, there's not much to learn. They do ads for affiliate, classic, classic. And yeah, it's like the, the use of images and the toggles for the CRO stuff was really what kind of like held my attention here. The paid links, a lot of people do that. It's really nothing too crazy. Future prospects I put going down, which uh, maybe, maybe not so far. Google has not done that. But like, obviously this uh, is... It's not like the content is not great. Like if the content was great, I'd be like, you know what? If you bend the rules, but you actually serve stuff that's actually cool and useful, maybe. But like in this case, they're basically stealing content from other sites in their info PCs, etc. And it's like, mm, there's 
not a lot. Like if I actually care about woodworking and I get this result, I'm not super happy basically. Also just like the content, it's not that helpful. So it's like, oh, there's a hundred beginners woodworking projects and it's like, well, here's an image of a saw shelf and then there's like a description of it, the tools you need and materials you need, but it doesn't tell you how to make it. And there's no yeah, it's link not very to it useful. or anything. It's like, there's no link, there's nothing. And so that's the thing. It's like, but I think that's quite interesting because you can see that these guys are breaking all the rules, right? Google has released helpful content update, link spam update, product review update, etc. All this stuff that has been supposedly destroying these kind of sites. Yet this site has the most growth of any site that we've talked about in this podcast and is fucking crushing it. And so I think that also shows the shortcomings of Google's current systems. I mean, honestly, like it's their job to address this or not. It's not mine. I just want to show both sides of the coin. I don't want to be one side or the other. Personally, I'm more excited about building brands and building long-term businesses. But I, you can't deny that this stuff works and this site is an example of this. And so that deserve to be podcast on sites that crush it in 2023. So that's pretty much my last example. Like based on essentially the two sides of the coin you've seen, how do you feel about the industry right now? I mean, I think I personally think it's great because while this woodworking site may not be the kind of approach we would typically take, I think it goes to show that both sides are valid and you can learn something. Yeah, yeah. I think everyone can learn something from, from each other. The toggle so, thing, the toggle thing you can do on the legit site. I don't, good, I don't right? think it's, yeah, it's actually like, it could make you a lot of money or like save you a lot of money so you can be more compliant while at the same time not losing affiliate commissions, which bit of a headache to be honest so yeah it's like and that's why i like it. and the image thing definitely intrigued me i definitely want to like test some random stuff with this now and so like i might i might try some stuff and that's why i didn't want to talk too much about it because honestly i don't know and i haven't done it and so like i don't want to just randomly make assumptions but there is something here something to dig, something that is interesting and people might have answers in the comments or something so if you have uh, ideas about this just drop this in the comment on youtube let us know and that's it but uh overall that was five sites that crushed it in 2023. Hope you guys enjoyed these practical case studies and we'll see you again in two weeks. Don't forget to like, subscribe, comments, all that stuff. And yeah, see you in two weeks for another episode. Bye.